The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 16 as we get into the Word of God tonight. Thank you, Pastor Alex, Brother Toby, and team. We deeply appreciate the sacrifice and the excellence that you bring as we worship God together. What a joy. What a joy. Acts chapter 16. Glory to God. We're going to read from verse 16 to 40, continuing in a series called The Overcomer which I'll review here in just a moment. Acts chapter 16, we're going to start from verse 16 and we'll read through verse 40. What a passage of scripture. Once when they were going to the place of prayer, are you ready? Say woo if you're ready. All right, good. Okay, here we go. I'm very good. You guys did that really well. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. I'm reading from the NIV. So if you want to switch that on the screen, that'd be awesome. Sorry for not mentioning that. New International Version. Who had a spirit of which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way of, to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled. I like another version that says greatly annoyed. Anyway, he became so troubled. That's a new King James, I think. Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that there was no hope of making money, their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlaw for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. That means they had their clothes ripped off of them, and they were beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The, the jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. 
And that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately he and his whole family were baptized. The jailer brought them to his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. And when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave and go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without trial, though we were Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. Love it. Verse 38. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they had heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. And they came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they were met with the brothers, encouraged them. Then they left. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Amen. Praise God. Maybe seated. I'm all prayed up. How about you? We've been doing a series on the overcomer, but Jesus said, I be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. As he visited John on the island of Patmos, writing letters to the seven churches of Asia, he says, to the overcomer, I will. To the overcomer, I will. He talks about the rewards of an overcomer. And we've been doing the series, and so this, I believe, is the fourth message in the series. It's easy to overcome when you got everything and it's all working out well for you. In fact, I don't know if you could call it an overcomer if you got it all going on. What do you have to overcome? I have had many examples in my life of people who've led lives that overcome great adversity. And miraculously, to my astonishment and my wife's, we've somehow become models for others also. And the truth is we all need examples or models of someone who's overcome in the midst of of adversity. I've entitled this Overcoming Through Adversity. Overcoming Through Adversity. And the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is a model for us in the New Testament. A model for someone who overcame adversity. This guy got it up one side and down the other and keeps serving the Lord. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't kill him. He was a man on a mission, a man filled with vision. Now, to review our series, we took Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and if you would kindly put it on the screen so we could take a look at that, and we broke it down. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 is a scripture that talks about how they were able to overcome the devil, how they were able to overcome Satan. I said it this way, it's like reading the Monday morning sports page from, from the weekend's big game of how they won the Super Bowl. How did they triumph? How did they win? How were they actually able to overcome the, the dragon? And it basically tells they triumphed over him. Now, if you read Revelation 12 from verse 1 and following, you see that there's this fiery red, really angry dragon who comes basically to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm simplifying it. But they overcame him, talking of Satan. They overcame him, or they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. That is the first title of the message that I preached. The blood. 
Why is it the blood of the Lamb? Why does there have to be the shedding of blood? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or no forgiveness of sin. We talked about how the sacrificial system all the way from the Garden of Eden all the way through here to the book of Revelation and how it's the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Yes. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes. And we talked about that. Now you can get that message online. Go to, I got excited for a second. You can go online, kcalaska.com, and check out, our, check out our media. You can go to our podcast. You can go to YouTube, and you can go listen to the whole thing. Why is there blood? The whole sacrificial system going through the promises of the prophetic word over Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ who took our sin for all those who believe on him. He gave them the right to become children of God, why there had to be blood, so on and so forth. So the first component of being an overcomer, the first component of walking in triumph, the first component of winning is the blood, number one. Number two, the second message was by the word of their testimony, and frankly, I'm moved by that. I'm moved by the blood. I'm moved by the next thing, too, because how many of you know a testimony doesn't have to be out loud? It can be the way that somebody's living their life. And I quoted St. Augustine, who said the greatest message ever preached is the one lived. And I would say that's, that might be true, but you also need to proclaim it. And we talked about how important it is to share your testimony, how important it is to speak out what God's done for you, how important it is and how it releases power. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke and said, let there be light. Job's comforters got this right as they said, decree a thing, it shall be established. It's very, very important to know that he creates the fruit of your lips. Some of you got some fruit that's not so good. Where are you? Yeah, you're creating some rotten stuff. The very words I heard you say, he says to the children of Israel after he brought them out of the house of bondage. The very words I heard you say, that I will do. Many people don't realize that God it will basically stand behind your words. Especially his word he stands behind, but your testimony. Don't get confused. I said that a little, a little off. Let me say it this way. God stands behind his word. In fact, diastomai, double-edged sword, died like ditus, die. Die, dice, die two, die stomai, two mouths. The picture is the word of God comes to you as one with one edge on it. When it comes out of your mouth, it's got another one. We talked about how important it is for you to speak your testimony. And you can also get that message online. All right, same place, kcalaska.com. Third message was, and they did not love the, I hate this one. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We talked about dying to self. The biggest idol in, the, in America, biggest idol in the world is you, us, us. It's love of self, self-worship. You've got to come off the throne, and you've got to put God on it. And we talked about how if you don't deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him, then you're not his disciple. We talked about dying to self. Come on, you missed a great place to say amen. amen. I know, it's like, come to Jesus and die, yes. Yeah, but that's really how you get triumph. That's how you get victory. And tonight I wanted to bring this message. Now all of those are available for you. Tonight I want to bring this message about how Paul is a model for us. That he overcame 
through adversity. In fact, you're not an overcomer until you have something to overcome. How can you have triumph unless there's some umph? Try umph. So the Apostle Paul, this dude experienced some serious adversity. He was a chosen instrument of God. I'm right into the notes now, if you, if you have those. If you need a copy, would you lift your hand? They'll bring that to you. All right, very good. Right here, fellows. Ushers, would you help me? One man right here. Anybody else? You need, a, you need a, a notes. We'll make sure you have those. We've spent time to, to make them for you, and you go and preach it to somebody else. He was a chosen instrument of God. If you look at his testimony, it's told three different times. Uh, in the book of Acts. Here in Acts 9, verse 15, he comes and uh, it, it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Ananias is this disciple of the Lord. We only hear about him here. We never hear about him again. It's the only time he's in Scripture. And the Lord speaks to this guy, Ananias, and says, Go, this man, talking of Paul, is my chosen instrument. Wow. So we know that Paul is a chosen instrument of God. He's a what? A chosen instrument of God. John 15 says, I chose you, talking about you, and appointed you to bear forth fruit, and fruit that remains. So he's a chosen instrument of God. The Apostle Paul so stirred things up in his day, there was no way to stop him except to try to kill him. And they tried. He was under a pile of stones, and they got around him, and they prayed, and he got up. I think that's when he had his, his third heaven encounter. If you look at the Apostle Paul's autobiography found in 2 Corinthians 11, you can look there, uh, verse 23 through 29, it's rather profound. It says, are they servants of Christ? Am I out of my mind to talk like this? I'm more. And, and he begins to tell us, listen to what, the, you think you've been through some stuff? Watch this. I mean, we're all such whiners. In the Western world, we are. Watch this. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. I think there's many times we don't even know about. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes, lashes minus one. Five times. The reason it's 40 lashes minus one is, is statistically everybody, most people, 90 plus percent of the people died on the 40th lash. So they'd hold back the 40th one and just give you 39. Five times that happened to him. Not once. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. What? I spent the night and a day in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I mean, you, you don't like your house that much? He didn't have one. I've been in danger from rivers. I don't even remember reading that. The stuff he's talking about, we don't even know about some of it. I've been in danger from, I think I've been in danger from rivers too, but it wasn't about serving Jesus. I was just trying to get out of the river. Anybody else? Danger from river, danger from bandits, in danger of my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. <laughs> Wow, in danger in the sea, in danger from false believers. Oh, watch out for them. I've had that problem before. Verse 27. I have labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily 
the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I, do, and I do not inwardly burn. Wow. Wow. Talk about suffering for God. This dude suffered. This guy. And, and then, of course, he, he didn't write the rest, which is he was martyred. So eventually he gave it all. Well, I think if we'd been through one-third of that, we'd probably quit the ministry. No, most people have been through a third of that or half of it. would be like, whatever, God doesn't love me, I quit. God, if you even love me, I wouldn't have, Lord. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Let's look at the text. <laughs> a man in the midst of adversity here, Acts 16. The Apostle Paul comes to this place here, Philippi. Comes by the word of the Lord, a vision, really. He comes, he's followed by this slave girl. He casts out a demon. And a mob, uh, mob rule and false accusations, he end up with Paul and Silas being publicly stripped. Okay, they're naked and they get beaten. And Paul and Silas are put in the socks in the inner prison. And what's amazing to me, really, I, I mean, I, 2 Corinthians, what we just read, it's amazing to me. Because you don't read all of those things in Scripture. We don't, I, don't, I don't know anything in Scripture talking about any river. I mean, come on, beaten with rods. I don't, I don't really, they says beaten. Maybe he was beaten with rods here. but I mean, he's just, he's beaten. How does the Apostle Paul overcome in spite of adversity? It's important to take a look because you will face adversity in your life. You will face problems in your life as a believer. Whoever sold you the bill of goods, you come and receive Jesus and everything's just awesome. They totally don't know anything. However, in the midst of adversity, the glory of God can be revealed to you. These, he call, you know what he calls that stuff? He calls that stuff momentary light afflictions. I'm convinced that these momentary, 39 lashes minus one, five times. Five times. Not to mention all momentary light afflictions. How does Apostle Paul overcome in spite of adversity? Listen, you might feel a little convicted as we move on into this, as I know I'm going to and have been, as I've been studying this for the past few hours. So brace yourself. He doesn't blame God. I was with somebody recently. Just totally blaming God. How dumb can you be and breathe? I'm not looking at my wife. She doesn't like when I say that. How foolish. I mean, it's crazy. Blame God. When you're in a hard place, you're supposed to thank God, not blame Him. Ephesians 6, the apostle Paul wrote Ephesians 6. He says, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in, in high places. Come on, it's not about flesh and blood. God's for you. Who can be against you? Come on, God, good, devil, bad. Don't ever forget it. You start going through something deep and dark and dank and hopeless. Start lifting your voice. Start rejoicing. Start thanking that God's allowed you to go through something. Many people in the midst of the fray, in the midst of the battle, they blame God. They point their finger at God and say, God, if you would love me, God, if God was all powerful, then I wouldn't be going through any difficulty. God's not loving, really, because then he would allow for no... Stop. Listen, he could do away with all evil tonight. He just has to kill everybody. 
And if we were all dead, there'd be no problems. All right. That... He understood that Satan could cause him problems. He understood that darkness, there's a battle. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, dude, there's a battle. Yeah, look at your other neighbor and say, you're in it. Yeah, you're in it, whether you realize it or not. How did the apostle Paul overcome in spite of adversity? Well, he didn't blame God. He didn't get bitter. And he didn't quit the ministry. He didn't quit God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, 18 says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Satan hindered us. There is a very real battle. You can't ever forget it. And so in the midst of adversity, don't blame God when you're facing all kinds of problems. There's the fallenness of mankind. There's your own flesh. I've known people that even gave, the, the devil even gets beat up because of somebody made a foolish decision. He gets credit for it. Poor devil. I, like I said, I feel bad for him sometimes. Not really. I, I'm joking. But many people want to blame everybody else but their own foolish decision. They're the ones that stepped in front of the bus. They're the ones that threw themselves under the train, spiritually speaking. They're the ones that didn't obey God, didn't follow through, didn't, come on, on and on and on. And they're like, God, do you even love me? And they're out doing the very thing. He said, don't do that. Well, why would you back away from God? Why, why, why would you back away from goodness? He's the father of heavenly lights in whom there's no shadow of turning. He's the one that's blessed you. He's the one that's helped you. Whatever is good in your life, God gave it to you. There, in Him, there's no evil. And so He doesn't blame God. He, he doesn't get bitter. I've known people that have got bitter, mad to suffer. Man, I, I've, done, I've done some of that. Am I the only one up in here? I'm like, Lord, really? Really, God? I turned my back on the Lord many years ago, was on fire. I mean, like, on fire witnessing, sharing my faith with other people, winning souls left and right. I would bring people to church in my car. I mean on fire. I'd stop people riding bicycles, people at stoplights. I mean on fire, witnessing on fire. I've been freed from a world of hurt and pain, and I had this promise that God was going to do this thing for me. There's only one problem. The promise wasn't for that season. And in my mind, I knew it was. And I knew that it, and that it had to be that way. And when I walked it out and got to the moment where God was going to perform the miracle, it didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, when God didn't do things the way I wanted them to, then I said, I will ascend to the sides of the north. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But that's exactly the idea. Oh, God, you didn't do that for me. I'm not serving you. That's it. I turned my back on you. And I totally went and turned. You want to talk about a living hell? I mean, Job never did that. God didn't do this little thing for me, and I wrote him off. You don't love me. What a day that was. It was a bad day. Eight months came out of it somehow. People praying. God brought me out. Came back to my senses. Been serving God ever since. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. That's 20 plus years ago. Now, the Apostle Paul, he, he didn't blame God, he didn't get bitter, and he didn't quit. I have wanted to quit times in my life. I don't even, quit's a four-letter curse word. I've told my kids, there's no such thing. 
I said, my last name is Bracken. Some of you know that. I taught my kids, Brackens don't quit. My son would quote it to you. My daughter would quote it to you. The truth is, real Christians don't quit. What are you going to quit to? Where are you going? What are you going to, what are you, oh, that's it. I quit. To what? <laughs> he alone is the words of eternal life. The disciples, when Jesus talked to them and he said, you must drink my, my blood is real drink and my flesh is real food, you know. And everybody's like, what? That's creepy. And everybody leaves, except the disciples. And he says, Peter, are you going to leave too? He says, where am I going? You got it. You, 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 you got it going on. You alone have the words of eternal life. Who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. So he doesn't blame God, he doesn't get bitter, and he doesn't quit the ministry. Some of you have done all three. Listen, overcome through adversity. Look at things so get God's perspective. I'm so preaching to myself tonight. Yeah. Anybody else going through some challenges? Look at B. He knew God's will and he was fulfilling God's purpose. Now that, that, that is very key. Listen, your frustration serves you to create change. Your frustration, allow it to affect change in your life. You don't like what you have right now? Change it. You don't like what's going on in your family? Fast and pray. Believe God. Grab yourself by your bootstraps in the name of Jesus. Pull yourself up. Do the very best you can. Touch the hem of his garment. Don't roll over, play dead. Don't quit. Don't blame God. My goodness. And so he knew that he was in God's will. You say, how do you know that? Because Acts, in Acts 16, and we didn't read this, and we started at verse 16, but in Acts 16, the first verses, talks about how they're in Troas. And, and they want to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit said no. How many of you the Holy Spirit says no? I was, in a, I was in a group of people talking. They said, well, you know, I want to talk about how God doesn't answer prayer. I said, well, that's not true. Because God does answer prayer. Yes, no, wait. Those are the answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. We don't like no, and we don't like wait. And we call that he didn't answer. But no, no, no. He says no. And, the, and God, through the Holy Spirit, says to the Apostle Paul, you're not going there right now. Which is amazing. Do you know why? Because if you study, if you study the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and you study the missionary journeys of Peter, he was going to cross over to where Peter was. And God doesn't want anybody building on anybody else's foundation, and he didn't want anything, any crossover. So all he's done is said, no, 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 no. And he has this vision of a Macedonian man, and from that they concluded that God had called them to Macedonia. And they show up in Philippi, slave girl, cast the devil out, and get up in jail. They were in the will of God. God called them by the Macedonian man. I mean, they're in the prayer meeting. They're in this prayer meeting with uh, these Jews, and Lydia's there, and, and Lydia's a seller of purple, and she persuades them to come to her house, and her house becomes a church. Her house becomes a church there in Philippi, and it's just kind of amazing. They were fulfilling God's will, and they knew it. You know, it's quite a thing. It brings tremendous confidence to know that you're in God's will. Do you know, I can say to you unequivocally, without any doubt in my mind, at all, that I stand tonight, right now, in the absolute perfect will of God. I know I'm in the city I'm supposed to be in. I know, listen, I know that about my wife. We settled that a long, long time ago. I know that God gave me this woman. I know that you're my wife. 
and I know that, I, that you're my husband beyond our vows. I knew it before God spoke to me. Then, of course, you make vows. You say, well, God didn't really speak to me before I got married. Well, that was stupid. You should make sure that he speaks to you before you get married. Foolish. That was foolish. I know that I'm in the will of God. Do you know that? Do you know that you're in the perfect will of God? And if you don't know that, you better settle that tonight. You better figure out where you're supposed to be, what you're doing, and get your little feet there. They knew they were in the will of God, and that's a very comforting thing. And they chose to worship God. So in the middle of prison now, they get in trouble for doing the will of God. They're in the middle of prison, and they chose to worship. Pastor Alex, they chose to worship. Even I'm going to tell you, the inner prison, it's dark. There's no lights. We see that they call for lights. There's obviously no lights. They're in the inner prison in stocks. And they begin to sing and begin to worship. Worship is one of the most powerful weapons we have to overcome the adversary. I will tell you, worship is probably my number one way of praying. I will lift my voice and sing until the presence comes, till he empowers me. I will worship and worship and worship. And I'm going to just tell you, it's a key. You say, well, why is that? Well, if you look in the Bible, uh, in Ezekiel 28, I want you to look at this with me. Ezekiel 28, and you have to look at the King James Version. See, many people miss a miracle in the midst of their pain because they're not willing to lift up their voice before the throne. Many people miss the miracle, and I'm going to say it again, many people miss a miracle in the midst of their pain because they're not willing to praise them in the midst of their problems. If you learn to lift your voice in the midst of your painful adversarial condition, whether it be physically, financially, or emotionally, you learn to lift your voice before the throne of God, no matter what, I don't feel like praising. It has nothing to do with feelings. Well, it has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with truth and whether he's worthy. I don't feel like singing. Sing anyway. That's called a sacrifice of praise. So if you're going to break through in life, you better get the worship principle. Got to learn this. They began to lift their voice in praise and worship. And I think one of the reasons that, uh, that, that, that it's so powerful is in Ezekiel 28, if you study about the NIV doesn't do it right. This is, this is about the origins of Satan, whose name was Lucifer before he was cast down. And Lucifer, the star of the morning, it appears, especially when you look at the King James, look at Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13. It says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, and the sapphire and the emerald. It goes on to say, the, work, the workmanship of thy timbrels and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou was created. What does that mean? NIV won't do it. NIV, NIV calls it sockets. King James does it because I, I think they just missed it. Timbrels and pipes. Timbrels and pipes. Those are instruments. It appears that Lucifer the son of the morning, it appears that the worship of heaven was channeled through him to the throne. That's the picture. And when you read uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 14, it gives another picture of that. It is no wonder I am telling you that Satan comes to steal praise from God. He comes to get, come on, bow down and 
worship me. What did he say to Jesus? I'll give you all these things if you be this, if you be, if you be. He's constantly questioning who he really is. We're Luke now, the temptation in the wilderness. If you be the son of God, cause these stones to turn to bread. After 40 days, I think he's pretty hungry. He says, you know, he commands him to bow down and worship me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. I'm convinced that Satan wants people to worship him and he's, he's doing everything he can to rob praise and worship from God Almighty. That's why I think music is so powerful too. Come on, some of you listen to stuff that you shouldn't listen to. And I do believe there are sounds and rhythms and things that can come from hell itself. And if you study about rock and roll and the the legends of rock and roll and how they got their music. and I mean, many, much of it is dedicated unto Satan and they would then get these rhythms and sounds and all this stuff. And, you know, you could get all defiled and freaked out by studying that, so I don't suggest you do. I do suggest you become a worshiper of God, no matter what you're going through, learn to lift your voice. Learn to praise Him. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house. Anybody know? Of the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you sacrifices of thanksgiving and we offer up to you the sacrifices of come on praise joy get it when we lost our baby many years ago we had a son he lived about 15 minutes he'd be 15 years old right now it may be 15 and he died and went straight to heaven I'll never forget that next Sunday, um, going to church. Now, mind you, I did all kinds of preaching and teaching. I was uh, on a multi-staff and, uh, under Dr. Morocco all those years ago. And I did lots of preaching and teaching on, on miracles. And we saw a lot of miracles. And I laid hands on my wife and declared a miracle. At 17 weeks, they said, your baby's got a fatal birth defect. You need to abort your baby. And we said, you're not God, and we're not doing that. And so she carried nearly full term. It was a great trial for us, and some of you know what that's like. I will never forget being in church on Sunday morning. I, I was in church. Karen was still in the hospital. And uh, I just lifted my hands because I'd been accustomed to lifting my hands. That's not bad. I've developed a pattern in my life of lifting my hands. It's called yada. It's an extending of your hands and Worship and surrender to God. It is in the Old Testament. It's in the New. And some people can't get their hands out their pockets and they're wondering why they don't have breakthrough. I'm not telling you if you lift your hands, you're going to have breakthrough. I'm just telling you it's an issue of your heart. Like, I'm not going to lift my hands. Well, then maybe you ain't going to get a breakthrough. I mean, he just might require you to lift your hands. I'm not making doctrine out of it. I am saying if your heart's not right, you just might be in the fire a little bit longer. And so there I am on Sunday, baby's gone, that didn't work out like I thought, devil going, what kind of pastor are you? You're never going to see signs and wonders if you were, then God would have healed you, shut up, right? I'm not even talking about it. <laughs> I lift my hands, worship went to the next level, Pastor Chris Davis brought it, I mean that just, heaven came down, I lifted my hands a little higher, and then I just felt like I wanted to leave. And then I thought, no, you know what, 
God, you're awesome. You're awesome all by yourself, and I don't have to feel like it. Somehow something happened to me. I began to jump and worship with everything I had, and that doesn't always look so pretty. No, no, no. I mean, we like being, you know, most people just like being cute and worship. Being dignified. I'm not telling you how you should worship, but if you're not worshiping with all your heart, I mean, lifting your hands, you'd be like, oh, dude, did I leave that toaster oven on? Oh, my God. That'll be all right. Oh, the iron. Oh. The one accord of the New Testament is not like that. The Apostle Paul and Silas, they chose to worship in the midst of the jail, in the midst of the inner prison. And, and, and it, doesn't make un, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense if you understand who God is. And if you learn to lift your voice and lift your hands no matter what you're going through and sing until his presence comes and continue to sing until the glory comes, then you might have an earthquake and a breakout in your life. If you want to have a pity party and talk about how bad it is and get bitter and quit, go ahead. Let me know how that works for you. It's talking to somebody, they, they're just angry, angry, angry at God. Life's miserable. They feel numb. They don't know where they're going. They want to do suicide, but that's not working. They, no, they can't do that. I'm like, how's that working for you? Do you like what you're going through right now? Uh, no. Well, how about change? Hey, hallelujah. How about that? How about changing? All right. We should move on. I'm convinced. Listen, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that people go through these difficulties and many times are orchestrated by darkness but darkness knows that you quit last time. So there'll just be a unique assignment against you because you're going to quit again. And they know it. And so it'll just be, you know, there's a kitchen sink principle. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The, the, the Ziklag before Zion. How many of you know what Ziklag is? David comes to Ziklag and it's burned with fire. Do you know that was three days before he was coronated king? Three days. And in life, when you go through adversity, many times there's a three days before you're just ready to have the great breakthrough. You need to learn to lift your voice. Listen, the next time you're in trouble, come on, the next time you get a flat tire out there kicking that thing and cursing God, how about lifting your voice instead? Thank Him for the opportunity to overcome and be more Christ-like. The next time you have a problem, learn to lift your voice like Paul and Silas did. You'll find that the, the chains will fall off. You'll also find that there's other people that are watching you in your worship and adoration unto God. They just, you know, I, I will tell you that that day, I used to spin. It's called rejoicing. Rejoice means to spin like a top. I used to do more rejoicing when I worshiped. I've gotten a little older now, so I don't spin quite as much. I began to worship God that day, you know, when I was first back in church and babies, babies in the morgue and Pastor Karen's recovering and I'm worshiping the Lord and I don't really feel His presence, but I just begin to worship with all my heart. You know, I began to worship with all my heart. I mean, everything changed. The power of God touched me. All of my, all of my emotions and everything just got touched by God. I found myself spinning and worshiping God and I had somebody come up to me who'd been in the church for 30 years and they said, hey, Daniel. I said, yeah. I was crying because I couldn't believe how great God is. I mean, how, is, how crazy is that? My baby's dead. He's in heaven. 
God is great, man. I don't understand it. I don't understand too much. Some of you think you are smart enough to understand things. That's why you get frustrated. You're not. You're not that smart. You have a finite mind. Finite. Limited. God, unlimited. He spins off planets and stuff. You, you don't. He's God. You're not. God is good. Settle it. God is good. Man comes up to me, been in the church, grew up in the church. Pastor Kevin McNamara, hey, later became a pastor. And he says to me, hey, you know, the tears running down his face. He says, I was watching you. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah. He said, when I saw you start spinning, I knew you'd make it. I said, oh, I'm going to make it. He said, I know you are. We still talk about that day. Some of you need to spin. I'm just saying. Some of you need to worship with all your hearts. Lots of scripture. I'm, I'm out of time. Psalm 149 talks about how it binds demon power. Psalm, 80, Psalm 8 verse 2. Can you put that out? Psalm 8 verse 2. I just, I just love it. Psalm 8 2. Out of the mouths of infants and babes, he's ordained his praise. Oh, come on. How many of you know that psalm? Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe of the avenger. Wow. Wow. So do you telling me if you teach your little children to praise God, you can silence the foe of the enemy? Yes, absolutely. You teach your kids to praise God. You, listen, you're all supposed to be childlike in faith. Learn to praise Him. Look, at I've, I've got to complete this. Oh, but I have to tell you, 1 Corinthians 10, 10. Neither murmur, murmur ye or some of them murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. Either you're going to lift your mouth and praise unto God, or you can get in agreement with the devil and have the destroyer. There is a destroying angel that will come. There is a demonic entity that responds to, to murmuring and complaining. You, you can go look it up, 1 Corinthians 10, 10. He continued to look for opportunities to bring people to Christ. The jailer got saved. The whole family got saved in the midst of his trial. He stood for justice in order to protect the church. Now watch this. I have never saw this before, but as I begin to close this message, the Apostle Paul and Silas in, in tremendous adversity, overcome by knowing they're in the will of God, by, by singing worship and praise unto God, by keeping souls before them and keeping the first thing the first thing, and it's interesting that he stood for justice to protect. What do you mean by that? They were, they were citizens. He was a Roman citizen. As a Roman citizen, watch this. Now, this is just history. As a Roman citizen, you could not be flogged and beaten without a trial. It's illegal. Roman citizens were considered to be higher than any other people in the planet. There was probably only, I'm guessing, Let's say three or four Roman citizens in Philippi. Not many Roman citizens there. He was a citizen. And when the magistrates found out that he was a citizen, what did that mean? That meant actually that they were in serious trouble. In fact, what could happen to a city, if you took a Roman citizen without a trial and you flogged him and you beat him and you put him in prison, then the whole city would come under the judgment of the empire. That's how important one person was. 
And they did that to Paul. And Paul knew his rights as a citizen. So when all of this happened and they come to let him out, he said, no, no, you tell them to come themselves and let us out. He knew that he had them between a rock and a hard place. He could have just left. He said, no, I'm not leaving. And he goes and he visits the church. I think he has a little revival meeting. And then he leaves. And I will tell you what the magistrates of Philippi knew from that moment. Don't mess with Lydia's house. Don't mess with the church because we could have all been torched because of what we did to Paul. Don't, 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 don't even, don't even. I'm going to tell you something. We are moving into a day where God is going to so anoint the church that even political structures and political halls will hear about what God is doing and literally a fear of the Lord. I believe we can turn Roe versus Wade. I believe we can push back the lies of the enemy. I believe we can see change. And Paul cares not just about his own life, but literally about the church. I can't tell you how many people I've run into that all they care about is their own life, their suffering. When they don't really see that if they'd win, it'd break chains off of a community. That if they'd lift their voice in the midnight hour, lifting their voice in psalms and hymns unto God, that God would release His power in their circumstances and situation. Not only freeing them, but freeing their family and literally bringing tremendous growth to the church. There are revivalists that are being raised up among us. There are those that are willing to go through difficulty and suffering and not blame God, not quit, not throw in or get bitter, but rise up in their God-given, blood-bought right and understand that they're called to the war. They're called to the battle. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You're more than a conquering Christ. You don't have to worry. A thousand may fall at your right side, ten thousand at your left, but it will not come nigh your dwelling. You can serve God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You don't have to be limited. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. All right, I'm almost done here. Sit down. Almost. I'm trying. I'm trying to close. Pastor Alex. It's a good word. Paul overcome and was able to help the church. I believe God's speaking to us. We can overcome in spite of adversity. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul going through another great challenge. Jesus speaks to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. I was standing on that Sunday night. Anybody going through a time where you just like, you don't know how to just help Jesus? Yeah, that's when he can really show up. Oh, in our weakness. Live in God's will and purpose and choose to worship him. Live in God. If you're not in God's will, get in his will. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus today, then do it here in a moment. If, you, if you're not right with God, or maybe you gave your heart to Jesus when you were a kid, but you're, you're playing some little religious game. Come on, you know the scripture, it says, get away from me, I never knew you. Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not prophesy? Get away from me, I never knew you. That's a scary scripture. You can knock on doors all you want to. You could, you could give to the poor and surrender your body to the flames. It ain't going to get you into heaven. Any more than standing in your garage is going to make you a car. Any more than putting on a suit's gonna, uh, any more than a monkey putting on a suit makes them part of the human race. 
You must be born again. And the only way you can be born again is by repenting of your sin and believing that Jesus died on a cross. There is no other way. No amount of money, no amount of talent, no amount of sacrifice you can do. If one good person could do it, then Jesus never had to die. No, no, no. You need to get right with God. And then you need to learn to become a worshiper of Him. Amen? With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, even though you might be in a prison. And I've found that if I can lift my voice even in a prison-like circumstances, God will come and bring a three-part harmony, break my chains, fill me full of joy, touch all the people around me that know me. Did you get something from God? The adversity you're going through today may be the very thing. Listen now may be the very thing that God has allowed to happen to turn out to be the greatest blessing of your life. Listen to me well. If Paul did not respond rightly in this situation, he would not have had the church of Philippi be the number one supporter of everything that he did. They gave more to him than any other church. If it wasn't for the church of Philippi, there would not have been a revival in Ephesus, the greatest New Testament revival. Who knows? Maybe the challenge and the adversity you're in the midst of, God is using. For we know that all things work together for good. For those that love God and are called according to His purpose, who knows that this adversity you're in the midst of, if you'll overcome what God will turn that for. And that's what God did for Paul. Stand up on your feet. Now, I just, I believe, I believe that the Lord is going to do a number of things here. I believe the Lord's going to bring great victory. And one of the ways he'll do that is by you lifting your voice in, in, in adoration. Some of you know, some of you have never really worshiped with all your heart. It does take revelation to do that, but it's also an act of your will. I used to just sing songs. And then I found one day, as I was singing with all my heart, that I, all my hair standing on end, and I feel his presence, and suddenly something's changed for me, and I would go home like different. Couldn't quite put my finger on it. It's not changed all these decades later. I still do the same thing. In my home, in my car, in my truck, church, my office. I lift my hands to worship Him. Come on, lift your hands to Him. Lift your voice and just thank Him right out loud. No matter what you're going through, remember, you can overcome in the midst of adversity. It's there that you can really give them a wonderful praise. Come on, we're going to worship. We're going to sing and lift our voice to God. Come on, let's, let's, let's sing and just worship Him for a moment, and then we'll close tonight. Pastor Alex, lead us.
thou, O Lord. For thou, O If you're not right with God, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about doing the externals of religion. I'm talking about truly yielding, submitting, and giving your heart to Him. Believing that He died on a cross and rose again from the grave. And asking Him into your life that He died on a cross for your sin and He rose from the grave for you. As many as believed in Him, He gave them the right the legal right to become children of God. If that's you, the Apostle Paul said, believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. That's you. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to Him because you drifted in your walk with the Lord. Won't you do it right now? Won't you just get right with Him right now? Come on, repeat after me if that's you. Or maybe you're here and you're on fire loving God. Well, I'm so thankful you've come tonight. Just affirm your faith all around this place. Say with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. 
Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Let me pray for you. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you that we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And love our lives not so much as to shrink back even from death. That we've, we can overcome an adversity. For we are more than conquerors. We are your sons and daughters grafted in by the very blood of Jesus. Cleansed from the former things, now used for noble purposes. Release your power, God, tonight upon each and every one. Fill, heal, break those chains of adversity and bring about maximum glory, God, in our lives. Fulfill the purpose for which you've for which you saved us and, and made us into the earth. Touch those online, those that listen even by a later day. God, we thank you and we praise you. We trust your leadership. We won't blame you ever again. We won't quit. We'll be worshipers that know you're turning it all around every day, turning it for good, releasing the blessings of heaven. We give you all the glory. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, O oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be sure to sign up for the members class right outside at the information desk. We love you. You're an overcomer. Praise God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.